Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And thank you again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 23. What an amazing trip. For those of you that follow the podcast and more importantly, follow us on social media, you know that I just got back from Cabot Links in Inverness, Nova Scotia. You saw all the Instagram posts, the pictures, the videos, even some of the behind the scenes stuff that eh, maybe we shouldn't have published, but hey, it was all good fun. I'll have some thoughts to share with everyone in the future on the golf courses, the resort, my group's experience at Cabot, so make sure you stay tuned for that. I got a lot of emails asking for some swag from the pro shop, and yes, I will be able to hook a few of you up with a couple items there. Fortunately, I recorded this episode a while back as a quote-unquote safety episode from a wild weekend of golf. Well, this is the week, and this is the guest. Actually, the timing is perfect since we're just a few weeks away from the U.S. Open. So this week's guest is Mike Weeks from West Palm Beach, Florida. Now, I know what you're thinking. Who's Mike Weeks? I don't know this guy. Well, remember what we're all about here at the back of the range. The best stories aren't always on tour. Mike is an old school grinder, and his story is absolutely incredible. I've known Mike for several years playing around the amateur circuit here in South Florida, but even I didn't know all the stories that he shared in this episode. You want some of his credentials? All right, here you go. The guy got through U.S. Open local and sectional qualifying three times. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's some junior phenom that was groomed since he was seven to be a perfect. No, not even close. He was the number five man on his high school golf team. Ah, so now you're thinking he found his stride in college and he just blossomed into this NCAA division. Nope, neither. Nope, not that either. He was a member of a junior college team, and he never played a tournament. So how in the hell does this guy make it through to play in the 91 Open at Hazeltine, the 93 Open at Baltusrol, and the 94 Open at Oakmont? Well, that's why he's here at the back of the range. Before we get going, you know the drill. Follow us on Instagram, the Back of the Range Podcast. You can also track us down at Facebook and Twitter. The central hub of the podcast is thebackoftherange.com. That's where all the previous episodes are located. And you can also get in touch with me via email, ben at thebackoftherange.com. So let's kick off episode 23. Mike, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. You know, we always start these episodes off with a little bit of backstory of how our guests get their start in the game of golf. Now, you were a high school baseball player, so how did you make that transition to golf? I actually ran into, uh, I used to ride the school bus with a couple of guys, Larry Holland, Adam Armagost who played for North Shore High School. And, um, you know, I, I used to sneak on the golf course at North Palm Beach Country Club, and I started playing with those guys a little bit. I wasn't very good, but they needed one more player to, you know, they, they had six players on the team, and their five and six wasn't very good, and they thought I would be someone that might be able to fill that role. And they asked me to come out for the baseball team, and or the golf team, I'm sorry. And, uh that's really how I kind of started getting into competitive golf. I didn't grow up playing junior golf or anything. And I, I went straight from just sneaking on at the golf course at North Palm Beach Country Club to, uh, you know, making the golf team. And and they, they kind of had me pinned as the number five guy if someone had a real bad round. Because they had the one, two, three, and four roles pretty much filled. If someone had a real bad round and I happened to play well, maybe they might use one of my scores. And that's really how I, I kind of got introduced to 
the game a little bit right there. That's amazing. So you had no none of this AJGA or, or growing up at a country club and lessons. You just basically had some buddies that thought maybe you can just knock it around and kind of help out the team just a little bit. And you're like, well, I'll, I'll go do it. Sure. Yeah, I'd, I had the 10-finger grip, uh, very short backswing, and I'd, I just I would just hit it down the middle. I hit it straight and kept it in play and, you know, found a way to get it in the hole, you know, comfortably. So you're, you're playing baseball still in high school, and, you know, did you chase baseball very much longer before, you know, giving it over to, to golf, or how did the transition from baseball to golf start? You know, when I got done with North Shore High, I, I went actually to Palm Beach junior college which is now palm beach state college and uh i was a pitcher and uh dusty Rhodes over there he, he would you know get us over there and uh pitchers ran more than anybody else and and back then you're talking mid 80s early 80s and uh, you did, I, I didn't think too much about it i just thought i could you know play baseball based off my raw talent and uh didn't go into camp in very good shape and we started uh, camp throwing and catching and mostly running and after every practice you know i would just throw up and then i had a 45 minute drive home and <laughs> after about two and a half weeks of that i said this is not for me and i i quit the baseball team and i, I kind of went out for the, the golf team there and made the team and same thing larry holland was there greg weber you know you had jasper parnovic i never i was never on the first starting rolling team uh, you know starting team at all but I practiced with them at Atlantis, David Ladd, a lot of local pros. Yeah. So I, I really learned a little bit just pra- going to practice with these guys and just being a practice dummy, I guess. So you're you're playing on this junior college team. Obviously, you're learning the game, learning how to play, learning how to score. You played in in college tournaments. There were you were you on the on the team to to play in tournaments or? or... Well, I, I was you know you go to the qualifiers and I would I would miss just barely miss a couple of the qualifiers. I actually didn't play in any tournaments. I, I continued to miss qualifiers, and I kept plugging along. And after uh, Palm Beach Junior College, I, I basically just continued. You know, my parents were members at Bear Lakes in the mid to late 80s because of where my dad worked. Uh, he, he ran a company, UND Transfer Moving and Storage, and they had a corporate membership where it allowed my dad to be a member, which allowed me to go out there and practice and play, and that's really – just being in that environment, I started practicing, you know, hitting balls and being around. I learned a lot, and I, I, I got, I had a, a swing coach there that kind of took me under his wing a little bit when he wasn't busy, give me kind of free golf lessons. And his name is Jim Carr, and Jim was, um, he, he lengthened out my swing, changed my grip, and you know, I, I really improved pretty fast once I, I started getting some instruction because before I really didn't have any instruction. So you're telling me. Limited high school golf as the five six man, junior college golf. Never played a, a tournament in college. How did you justify going from that to I'm going to try and play professionally? Uh, you know, I, I had a little bit of success around the club, playing well, playing against you know guys like Tom Knapp, Steve Hart. You had some, you had some guys by the name of Mark Kalkovecki and Ken Green that used to practice and play out of there. Sure. And, Started playing pretty decent, and then uh, an older, not an older gentleman, gentleman from the club offered, uh, he goes, hey, why, I'd like to help you out. Why don't you turn pro? And I'm like, okay. You know, and <laughs> there were guys, Alice Applegren, Dave Roshman, that they would go up to Orlando and play in these minor league, the J.C. Goosey tour. Yeah. 
would go up there and play the North Shore, Adam Armagost and those guys. So I, I, I took the guy up on his offer because I'll pay your entry fees and, you know, let's see where it goes. And, uh, you know, like the, I think it was my third tournament. I made my first check for $525 and I, I just learned as I went, went about it. It was just, uh, you know, I kind of really just fell into it. Ben. So since we're, we're doing our little version here of a, of a U.S. Open preview, we have, you've played in three U.S. Opens. So let's start with the first one. You played in the 1991 U.S. Open at Hazeltine. What do you remember about the, the local and the sectional and, and, you know, getting through and then, you know, tell me a little bit about the, the qualifying experience of getting into your first U.S. Open. Uh, the first one, you know, Hunter's run, just being able to keep it together. Um, I had a friend, John Sanford, who a lot of people would know from the area. John was, John, I played a lot of golf with John at Bear Lakes at the time. And uh, John offered a caddy for me. And um, I snuck through the first qualifier at Hunter's run, just holding on, you know, just finding a way to get it in and just skanking it around. And I finished a couple under par and then I went to Bay Hill and I think I shot two or three under for the 36 holes. I don't know how I did it. And then it was, you know, but I did it, you know, it was just, right. uh, you know, a little perseverance, a little bit of John coaching me around a little bit, helping me with my, uh, decision making, not being too aggressive. And, uh, I was fortunate. And then, you know, John went to me, uh, with me to, uh, Chaska, the Minnesota. And, uh, we went up, you know, the Saturday before the tournament, like Monday was the practice rounds. We got there Saturday afternoon late. We played with some members on Sunday. John and I played the golf course with members. The members were still allowed to play it on that Sunday. And that Sunday, I remember, uh, Mike Schultz was the director of golf at the time. And we went in. Sunday after our round playing with the members, we went and signed up for the tee sheet, you know, like for our practice rounds on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was the first guy that signed the practice sheets. And sure. I'm like, you know, 10 o'clock on Monday, nine o'clock on Tuesday. And then I did nine, nine 30 on Wednesday. So I didn't know who I was playing with. So we show up early Monday morning. Um, you know, it, it was pretty neat. You get there and they gave you the, we check in and, um, John would probably remember this more than I, but uh, Phil Mickelson was checking in right in front of us. Phil was so polished. He was such still a kid had, had come right out of college, Arizona. And, uh, and he is so polished. He's like thanking everyone at the registration table. And he's got his members only jacket on. And he's got the <laughs> collar. He's got the collar turned up. And John and I are kind of, kind of making fun of him a little bit like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. And I think Don did say that, you know, so then, you know, we, we check in, they give it a nice, um, courtesy car, but we show up Monday morning and we go hit balls and you go to the range and they, they'd have, you know, a bag of Titus golf balls and a bag of max fly golf balls. And like Titus or max fly, I'm like Titus. And, uh, so we go to the range, we go to the first team. It's pretty packed up there. And I go to the, the starter's tent on the tent on the first tee box and I check in. He goes, he goes, who are you playing with? I go, I don't know. He goes, well, let me get, get a couple guys to join you. And I'm just standing on the tee box. The crowd parts and here comes Seve Ballesteros and Tom Seekman, who just won like a week or two earlier. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the first guy on the tee and Seve doesn't look at anyone. He just the quick hello to the, uh, 
the master starter at the time sure. and eased it up, puts his ball, peg, pegs it right there in the middle of the tee, talks to his caddy a little bit, then he leans over and goes, Chevy. And then he, and Tom Seekman came over, introduced himself, and um, to this day, I, I still can recall that tee shot because you know, Seve gets up, you know, hits a pretty good tee shot. Tom Seekman gets up there, draws it up the left side into the rough. I got up, and at that time, I had a seven-degree Tor Burner Plus Ooh. driver with a titanium shaft. Sure. And there are people lined the first fairway, you know, and they're just leaning over these ropes. And uh, I'm nervous, you know. This is my first first time ever there. And, uh, you know, I, I my first thought was, God, just don't kill somebody. <laughs> and then I somehow I was able to just, you know, relax. I softened up the arms and I just pumped it right down the middle, you know. And, uh, you know, and it, it kind of started from there. I was able to just kind of, you know, get in a nice comfortable zone and not get caught up in where I'm at. And, and now playing with, uh, and then playing with Seve, um, I mean, everyone has always spoken so highly of his scrambling and his short game and, and all the different shots he has around the green. Do you remember anything about any sort of conversations with him or did you get to see anything like that that really kind of stuck out? I remember there was one shot on seven that he was back up behind the trees and he hit a shot from behind a tree and John Sanford, it, it, he drove the way. He couldn't hit a fairway. He missed every fairway. Of course. And John, even after he hit that shot, John went up there just to see where his divot was. He goes, I can't believe he was able to get that on the green. And then on the on the eighth hole, we talked about bunkers a little bit. He talked a little bit about how, you know, his technique, and he would set it open. And then on his takeaway, he would roll, you know, rotate the forearms a little bit to add even more loft and use the bounce. And, and uh, you know, really just, the ball would just pop up really soft. You know, and that was back in '91, but uh, it, it it was an incredible. He didn't he didn't talk a whole lot to us because his his English wasn't very well. Right. My Spanish, I don't have any. <laughs> but it was it was a great experience. You know, getting to meet him that first time and uh, just being part of it. And, you know, I was no longer with us, which is unfortunate. So you you miss uh, so you miss the cut at Hazeltine. And kind of tell me a little bit about like how what tours you played on. I know we're going to get get you back to the to the next two U.S. Opens that you played in. But between you know that you know ninety one, um, you know getting out of college, you know what what tours did you play in? What uh, you know how did you keep your game sharp sharp in between these qualifiers? You know, I uh, I played the J.C. Goosey Tour, the North Florida Tour. And I don't think the Golden the Golden Bear Tour might have been starting up, trying to start up here locally. Uh, but I was able to, you know, I, I went to tour school in 1992 for the first time, and I was able to get my conditional status, which is now, it was the Ben Hogan Tour, then the Nike Tour, and right. now the web.com and so forth. But I was able to get my conditional status, so I was able to get in some tournaments. Um, I think uh, that that finals of tour school i went through the first two stages and was able to qualify and got to finals both times and um so i had conditional status on the ben hogan tour in 92 which back back then conditional status would get you in about 20 events and i think i played in like 14 events 14 of the 20 because a few of them you would you wouldn't get in until late right and i you know i didn't have the means to go hey i'm just gonna go jump on an airplane and right right you know, 
Um, I had to plan out a little bit better than that. Then, sure. uh, you know, 92, I didn't uh, qualify. Then, you know, 1993, I had an opportunity. I went to the stages of going through the U.S. Open again. And that was the same year I was on the Nike Tour. And I, I played in about 10 or 12 events, maybe 15 events that year. Also had a little bit of success, but not a ton. Um, I always had some lower back issues at my back with it you know, bother me a little bit from time to time. So it seemed like whenever I'd start playing really well, um, my back would go out there. I'd be out of action for a couple of weeks, you know. So a lot of up and downs with my health back then. Sure, sure. So you, you do get into the you get into the 93 U.S. Open at, at Baldestrol. That's the one that uh, Lee Jansen won. Um, again, you have this this great success getting through the qualifiers. Um, what what was your opinion on Baldestrol? Phenomenal, I, and uh, you know, I, I think the highlight for me for that one was I went to the local qualifier hunters run again, and we went to Lake Nona, and uh, you know, I was paired up. I was a medalist at the hunters run, so being a medalist, I got paired up with some nice players at Lake Nona. I got to, I got paired up with Fulton Allen, and you know, back then I'm still still ruining myself into golfing mentality and so forth i guess you'd call it and uh sure i remember members coming up it's like wow are you nervous you're, you're going to play with fulton allen he just won the week before and you know people are like oh you got to be nervous playing with Fulty." and and it got to the point where i you know people would say something i go i said i'm gonna drum them <laughs> nice and and, and and then it really my goal was just to get the honors of the tee and Keep honors, and you know, and I ended up playing. And it was just one of those days where everything worked exceptionally well. I shot sixty-seven, sixty-three, and I shot fourteen under for the two days. And um, I was medalist at Lake Nona, and Fulty and I got to play a practice round at uh, Lake or at Baltus Roll when we went up there. And the next day, I got to play with Nick Faldo and David Frost, and had some just great experiences, great memories, and. Absolutely. Well, one thirty uh, in a sectional U.S. Open qualifier is is pretty. Uh, that's got to be a record or pretty damn near close to one. So you mentioned you played your practice rounds with uh, David Frost and and Faldo, and uh, if if Faldo and and uh, Frost are nearby, then you know Ledbetter can't be far away. So, um, you know that was right around the time when when Faldo was. I guess it was. Gosh, that had to have been right around Faldo Norman time when they were, you know, kind of battling for number one in the world. And you can kind of throw Freddie in there as well. But um, just watching Faldo at the height of his game, uh, what were your takeaways on just his action and what he was doing out there? You know, it, uh, just, it just amazing how comfortable he was with everything and everybody. And, and, and you're right, like when, when we teed off on one, I was – asked to join someone else and we joined them and David Ledbetter was played with us or didn't play with us. He walked with us during the round and, and the three of them just kind of chatted a little bit here and there, but it was nice just to, you know, see how they practice. And, um, you know, to this day, like going in Hazel team, going back to our very first screen, you know, John, you know, after my tee shot, I hit it in, I hit an eight iron in there about 10 feet. I go up, I mark the ball and I throw the ball to John and, and, um, the other two guys that they're not even, they're not putting to the hole. They're, they're throwing balls in the rough. They're chipping up to, you know, a key in the grain. 
John and I kind of look at each other and John kind of shrugs his shoulders and he goes to the bag and he, he gets a couple golf balls and we start doing that. We start mimicking what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and, uh, they, they were the same way. And, uh, no, not to go forward. I, I remember I got, uh, 1994, I got to play a practice round with, with Jack Nicholas and Jack Nicholas on every green in Oakmont, you know, he'd go Thursday, Friday. Saturday, Sunday, and he would point to where the pins were going to be on every green. And he's like, this is what they're going to do. They're going to play this on this hole. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and it, but it was, it was, it was a really neat experience. And, um, you know, it's some things that I'll, I'll never forget. And it's not very important to many people, but to me, I doubt. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hey, pretty cool. That's why you're here on the podcast. How long, uh, not yeah. not, to, not to deviate, but how long have you been working on your Jack Nicholas impression? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's funny. It's like you, you let, if you're around him a little bit. And, uh, the year I qualified there, I got to play a practice round with Gary Nicholas, Mike Melizia, and Jack and myself. And uh, it was Gary and Jack against Mike Melizia. And, and this myself. is for the, and this is for the, and I'm going to let you, let you continue the story. I just want to set the, set the scene for, for everyone listening. So this is your, this is your qualifier to play in the 94 U.S. Open at Oakmont. Yeah. So now you, which you, uh, you know, have qualified for. So this is back-to-back U.S. Opens you qualify for. So, so this is the practice round at the qualifier. Is that right? Or is this a practice? What is this practice round for? Uh, this is, uh, up at Bay Hill. We, we played, this is our practice round and I never played with Jack before, but Mike, uh, Mike and Gary and I, you know, we, we kind of known each other a little bit and, and I don't know who set it up, but I was happy to be part of it, but of we went and, uh, Mike, yeah, you know, we, we got, we got paired up for a practice round before, the uh, qualifier the next day. So uh, we got to spend 18 holes playing with Jack Nicholas, my first time ever playing with Jack. And to this day, I I still have the $2 in my armoire. Um, I finished Eagle Birdie Birdie at Bay Hill to win $2 off Jack Nicholas and Gary Nicholas. But I got paid by Jack and he slams it in my hand and squeezes my hand. And, you know, he hit that. Pissed. You know, that that two dollars was like he, he hates losing, man. It was amazing, and I'm sure Mike would probably remember the day as well. But uh, took two bucks off of Jack Nicholas in a practice round. Eagle birdie birdie at Bay Hill. Wow. You know? So you do the qualifier, and it's 36 holes. It's a 36 hole qualifier in one day. Is that correct, or was it was it two days back then? Uh, no, it's one day. Okay, so so it's 36 holes. Tell me about this day, because you had, what, you had, how many rain delays you have? I mean, how, this day just didn't seem to end, did it? It, it rained, poured, and, and I mean, it, we had a couple, several hours of rain delays, and, uh, and and I'll tell you, it goes back to, you know, I, I never met Mr. Nicholas before until the day before, and, but what a great day. I mean, I felt like, wow, what a great experience. I really felt pretty close to him. He, he made us feel so welcomed, and. I'm a little bit of a ball buster and he likes giving little jabs and, you know, I tend to give jabs back. And, uh, you know, so during the rain delays, you know, we would, we sat in the pro shop floor for a couple hours. Jack Nicholas and Jim Carr was caddying for me. He was my teaching pro at the time. And Jim just, you know, he, he's a Cleveland guy. He grew up 
idolizing Jack. Jack's is everything. And, uh, you know, so we really spent a lot of time with Mr. Nicholas and Gary. And uh, during that, during the rain delay before they sent us back out, you know, I think I was three under and Gary was, you know, two under or something like that. And, um, you know, after a rain delay, I had like five holes to go and Gary only had one or two holes to go. And when I came in, I'm coming up 18. I see Jack Nicholas standing behind the green and here I am going, wow, he just, he's out here to just see how I finish. He's you know, kind of like, giving you the stink eye because he knows where Gary is. Well, yeah, well, that's what it was. But at the time, I really thought about that. He was like, ah, you know, I, I just want to go see how Mike finishes. That's how <laughs> yeah, my, my, yeah, my, the, the son, the son him, I never had. I would just want to see how Mikey's doing. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but I didn't think of it that way. And I, when I, when I saw him back there, my, the first thought that popped in my head was, I'm going to, I'm going to birdie 18 again in front of Jack, you know, and that, that was, I, 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 I hit it in there about 10, 12 feet and I missed the putt. And, uh, I tap it in, I look up and I, I was kind of expecting them to kind of like, how'd you play or how'd you finish or something like that? Kind of shrug his shoulders and ask, and, but he's gone. Yeah. Cause he knows. Yeah. yeah I didn't think anything of it. And then I go turn him a scorecard come to find out that I'm going to be in a playoff and Gary and I are going to play for one spot, you know, and, uh, that was a pretty neat experience. And I was just going through the motions and it was really dark. It was drizzling rain still. Um, and Jack was not rooting for you, by the way. No, no, I, I found that out. And, uh, you know, and it's funny. And I know we talked about this briefly, when I got to, uh, you know, that opportunity, you know, with Jack, um, you know, I, I didn't think the playoffs was going to be that time at that night, you know, because it was drizzling rain. It was dark. You could barely see. And they, they sent us out there. And, um, you know, we, we go to the first tee. And I'm going to fast forward yep. the playoffs. I mean, obviously, everyone knows that I got in. Uh, but. I get Jim Carr goes up to Pittsburgh with me, and I get in the Jim Carr and I get in a van to, to go into uh, to Oakmont to get our courtesy car, and we get in the van with Seve Ballesteros and Mac O'Grady, oh. and uh, so I, I go to I go Mr. Ballesteros, you don't remember me? I said um, I said I got to play a practice round with you at Hazel Team, and uh, his English is much better from '91 to '94. He's like, oh, so you qualify? I said, yeah. I, I said, I qualified again. It's all good for you. He goes, where did you qualify? And I go, I said, I qualified at Bay Hill. He goes, oh, he goes, that's where Jack's son lost in a playoff. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and and I go, well, yeah. I, I said, I, I, I beat him in the playoff. He goes, and he started, oh, good for you. Congratulations. And da, 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 da. And he's like, he goes, what happened? What did the great one do? to help to, to take you out of your focus. <laughs> and I go, nothing. You know, I, he didn't, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, what did he do? Did he stand next to you? Did he, he goes, he did something. He goes, he was the best at getting in people's heads. He goes, he did something to help to get you out of your, your game. And I, uh, at the time I'm like, you know, I, I don't think anything. And, and Mac O'Grady's like, just listen to him. You know, he's like, just listen, you'll learn or something like that. And Jim and I are sitting there and, right. and we start replaying the playoff. And, you know, we didn't throw up keys, draw numbers to see who hit first, Gary hit first, 
Um, he goes, did the great one come up and touch you? Did he stand next to you right before the playoff? And I go, and I start thinking about it. He did. He came up with his arm around me. He says, hey, Mike, great playing this week. It was a pleasure meeting you. And, you know, the way I looked at it wasn't him taking me out of my focus, but it, it did, obviously. And, right. And, and, and Sevy says he did that on, per, you know, to, to give Gary an edge. And I, right. I never looked at it that way. And, but we hit our shots. Gary hits on the green. You could barely see it on the green. I hit it in the front bunker. I hit it out about probably eight, 10 feet. And Gary hits his putt. And there's probably about 80 people there, 100 people. And they're like, oh, go in, go in. And that's when it dawned on me that everybody there was rooting for Gary Nicholas, oh, God, except yeah. Jim Parr. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you, know, uh, you know, probably what Seve was saying to you, and probably what Jack, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, but but I'm, I'm guessing that he was trying to kind of get in your head to where you would think, well, you know what, I made it to a playoff, and and boy, Jack Nicholas is my friend. And even if things don't go well, at least I have the great memory of Jack Nicholas putting his arm around me and wishing me luck and saying how yeah. great I was. And maybe that's good enough. And even if I don't, you know, I think that's kind of what he was just alluding to. Oh, yeah. No, and and I was. I was just happy to be. I was just yeah. in class nine, happy to be there. And uh, then once everyone hit said, go in, go in the light went off and and I told Jim, I go, I'm making this spot. And then I made the putt, Gary tapped in first par. And then on 18, Cal Corf, uh was a USGA official at the time. He said, this is the last hole finish or, or not. This is it. We'll come back tomorrow. If it doesn't, it isn't finished here now. Right. And you know, we both drove with all 18. And once it left the club, you saw it for about 15, 20 feet and then you lost it. And uh, we get up to our ball. I have 186 yards, drizzled rain out of the rough. I get my shot out of the light rough. And Jim Carr's like, that's right at it. That's right at it. And I'm like, shh. Then you hear, ooh. Then you hear applause. All these people going, oh, good shot. We couldn't see it. Right. Had no idea where it was. And Gary was about 15, 10, 15 yards in front of me. He hits his shot, ooh, and applause and so, but and they're allowing us to walk or drive the golf cart in the playoff, and we drive up there. There's one ball about 12 feet, one ball about probably 14, 15 inches, and the guy, the marshal at the rope, he's like, "Great shot!" I'm like, "Which one's the first one?" He goes, "It doesn't matter. They're both great shots." <laughs> of course. And I'm like, "No, it does matter." Yeah, it does matter. I <laughs> I want to be the one that has a kick in. Exactly, and. uh I was able to be the, that one and I tapped in and, you know, and I did, I, uh, my heart went out for Jack and Gary at the time. Cause I'm like, you know, you just, his, you know, you just saw it, you know, it, it deflating and he was hoping, uh, father, son in the U S open. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, Jim Carr and I, we go, we go to the convenience store back then. We didn't have cell phones. I, I go to call my wife. Tell her I qualified, and she already knew because a friend of ours worked for Golden Bear Industry at the time, and he was giving her the play-by-play because they got called into work, and they were planning on this big, you know, father-son U.S. Open, you know, and it was going to be a big rollout, and uh, so she knew the, how the, what the result was before I even spoke to her, and uh, as I'm getting ready to leave the convenience store after gassing up, 
and here comes Gary and Jack in these two cars, and you know we talked a little bit. I said, well, we're we're going to follow you back uh, back up to Jupiter, North Palm Beach, and um, he's like, well, then we we have to gas the cars up before we jump on the airplane, and I'm like, wow, and here I am, <laughs> well, I'm just going to jump on the turnpike and drive two and a half hours. You know? Yeah. Well, I bet your your drive had to have been pretty enjoyable. Um, I guess it would be better than better that than than um, than, no, than I... in a plane. So, so you see, this is not the last you see of Jack. You uh, you head up to Oakmont, and um, gosh, you're you're up there in your third U.S. Open in a span of of, of four years, and um, you know you're up at Oakmont, and and. Like you said, you're playing this practice round with with Jack. Um, I mean, yeah, that must have been a unique experience when you're the guy that kept his son out of the tournament. Now, now you're playing a practice round with him. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was funny when we got back. I, I called Gary and I said, "Do you think your dad would play a practice round?" He goes, "Call him," you know. So I called Mr. Nicholas and he says, "Yeah," and he, he goes, "Mike, we'll play we'll play Wednesday." At- Ten thirty. He goes. Now I'll put the group together, and uh, you know I go up and I see him Monday, and he just kind of waves and he's like, you know, kind of, kind of gives me like, what are you doing here? I said, and I, I gave back. I gave back to him and said, I heard there's a tournament in town, and Tuesday, you know, same thing, you know, uh, you know, same on Tuesday. We didn't really talk, but um, I had heard he invited originally. He invited Greg Norman to join us. Greg had already invited Freddie Couples to play, so um, Jack got Hale Irwin to join us. So I got to play uh, my practice round with uh, Hale Irwin and Jack Nicholas, you know, at Oakmont, and uh, had some really neat things. You know, great experience. Doesn't get any better than that. How was Jack playing at that time? Uh, Jack wasn't playing that well at the time, and, um, you know, but it, he, he was coaching us around, and, and, you know, when Jack plays a practice round, he plays the ball down, he plays it as it lies. He informed me halfway down in one that he walked back to me, he goes, Mike, I don't sign autographs, because I will make time after the round to sign autographs. You know, because, you know, people were asking for autographs, and I'd go down to the, and I would sign autographs, and made it very clear, after the round, we'll do that. And, uh, but Jack was struggling a little bit at the time and you know one of the neat things and a plug-in for Jim Carr um as our round um actually I got to tell number nine first as we come up nine he asked his caddy he goes get me something to eat and Jack as we're putting out on nine and everything we go to 10 tea box and we, we get up to the tea and and um his caddy was there and didn't have sandwiches. Didn't have a sandwich for Mr. Nicholas. He's like, he goes, where's my sandwich? And his caddy goes, well, I couldn't get you anything because the guy wasn't at the grill in the men's locker room. And, uh, you know, Jack, you know, went over to him quietly and said, when you work for Jack Nicholas, can't. It's not in your vocabulary. Oh. And then next thing you know, the state trooper, I have pictures, Jim Carr and the state trooper, went into the kitchen and Jim said it was absolutely amazing. He went in there, Mr. Nicholas wants a sandwich. And they're like, well, what's he want? And and nobody knew. So they made this big silver tray and they put, they probably had 10 or 12 sandwiches on there. They brought out a thing, a bag of drinks 
and we, we have pictures of the state trooper walking down 10 fairway with a big silver tray of oh sandwiches. Oh my God. <laughs> and then on 11, we, we ate sandwiches and, uh, you know, and I got a drink and, uh, you know, but it was just, it was such a neat memory there then. And, my plug into Jim Carr and Jim wasn't caddying for me there. He, uh, he went up as my golf coach there. I, I got a local caddy and, um, and the, actually the Rooney's um, lined that up for me. And the Rooney's are members at Bear Lakes at the time. And they still are. They, they lined me up with a caddy, uh, up there that they use on a regular basis that they thought would the local knowledge would go a long way. And, uh, but when we got to 16, there's a long wait on the par three and, Jim Carr and Jack started talking a little bit. And at the time I was playing really well. I think I was, I think I was two under during my practice round. And this was my, this was my year to make the cut, you know, and 93, I missed the cut by a shot. Uh, 94, I, my goal was to make the cut in the U S open. I sure. mean, that, that's really what I wanted. And, and, um, Jim, you know, and I'm just kind of listening. He goes, well, he goes, Mr. Nicholas, do you mind if I say something? He goes, you know, you know, Mike play, Mike's playing really well and he does something really well in his swing that you used to. He goes, you've lost your, your spine angle and your setup. He goes, you know, you, he goes, when you were in your prime, all your books used to be 12 inches behind the ball. He goes, right now your left cheek is even with the ball and, you know, and he would lose his width in his swing. And the next thing you know, Jack's standing on the side of a hill on the tee box and just trying to, line up behind the ball and and you know if we went back and were able to count all the strokes from there until 16 jack had to be probably 14 um 14 or 15 over par he was really struggling wow and um jack kept set working on setup part 16 he birdied 17 and he almost birdied 18 and then the first round of the tournament jack goes out and shoots 66 and uh, I, I I owe that first round to Jim Carr. You know, Jim. I mean, what balls on Jim Carr just to walk up and say, hey, "Excuse me, hi. I know you're the best player, of, you know, of the modern era, but do you mind yeah. if I give you a swing tip?" Well, you know, it, it started like you know what Mike does well. He does something that you. Oh no, to... he phrased it perfectly, but yeah, still, the bo- oh no, he phrased it great, but it's still at the. I mean. Gosh, oh, yeah. did Jim ever talk to you about, like, after the fact, like, like the internal battle of, because, you know, to go give a swing tip to Jack Nicholas in a practice round of the U.S. Open, you know, that's not the exact same thing as giving a swing tip to, you know, some guy at the local club that you see struggling. Hey, you mind if I help you out? With, you know, this is different. That's all world stuff right there. You know, but Jim, I think that Jim's like, you know, Mr. Nicholas, he goes, I've read every book. He goes, I've watched you from wherever, and you used to do this really well, and you're not doing that anymore. You're not doing that right now. And wow. Mike does it really well. His club stays really square through impact for a long period of time, and his arms have swing room to swing down the target line. And, and God, you know, and to this day, you know, I, I haven't talked about it much. And, you know, this past year, I think last year, you know, the, the Open was at Oakmont, and they played all the courses in my venue. They played Minnesota, uh, Chaska. They played Baltus Roll, and they played Minnesota for the majors. Yeah. Well, just from this past year. So uh, so Jim called me, are you watching? I still remember, you know, 
Yeah, Great memory. Absolutely. So you, you played your three U.S. Opens. How much longer did you uh, keep your professional uh, status before uh, before getting reinstated as an amateur? You know, even in 94, I was already considering giving up playing, pursuing. I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to be a golfer. I just kind of, I love competing. <laughs> I love, someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to do it, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I took my first job in the golf business. At Oakmont, I actually didn't know Rob Young at the time, but I was introduced to Rob Young, who was the director of golf or the head pro at Emerald Dunes Golf Club. And he's from Pittsburgh, Natrona Heights. Someone had made the introduction, and uh, I stayed in Rob's parents' basement during that trip. And then after the Open and everything, I actually I, I interviewed. I went up to the golf show and thought about getting on the sales end of some product line or something, trying to get stay in the golf business. And then I decided to get into golf business. I, I took a job. With, you know, I interviewed with Rob Young, and he hired me over at Emerald Dunes. I worked for Ray Finch back when Emerald Dunes was a, a daily fee um golf course and uh got in business for there and worked there until it was sold a couple times and and then i had the opportunity um the same person that kind of talked me into turning professional helped me out with that helped help me get my foot in the door at bear lakes kevin murphy and um uh, kevin richardson who's a local attorney kevin kind of helped me get my foot in the door at at Bear Lakes, and they wanted Bear Lakes to go in a little bit different direction as a with a membership person, instead of just having someone who wasn't really golf knowledgeable, just handing out paperwork, filling out, you know, crossing T's, dotting your eyes, and um, they wanted me to kind of spend time with every individual as they're coming into the club, get to know them, help them into the club, and so to this day, I still have the best job, you know, I. Uh, as people are looking into the club, I, I find out their personality, how they play. I help them during a round. I'd normally play either nine or 18 holes with them. And and if they end up wanting to go forward, I, uh, I'm i very involved to going, hey, Peter, you need to meet this guy, Scott. You know, this guy, similar background. And, you know, I, I do, I just match make. So you're a matchmaker yeah. at Bear Lakes right now. You're the membership director. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah. So, and, and gosh, I mean, you started there at just – fallen in there because your parents are members and now you're in charge of growing that club and 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 you know populating its membership with great people uh yeah. bear lakes is is also a real hotbed for up-and-coming pros i mean i i mean i'm in the area of west palm beach and, and i know that there's just tons of guys out there that are you know playing in the mini tours and working on their games so so give me give me an idea of just one of the um, God, one of the guys out there that just is is chasing the gr- dream and just doing things that, that that you're seeing, like wow, these 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 guys are just amazing. Oh yeah, no, and, and it, you know it kind of goes back to you know Brooks Kepka, you know when he graduated Florida State, he came down, he joined Bear Lakes. So he used to practice out of there. Carl Newman practiced out of there. Chase Kepka worked there. Chase is a member, and Brooks when he graduated, he he, he joined as a junior member at Bear Lakes. He didn't get through first stage. He went to Europe, and there he is now. He's a U.S. Open champion. He's a member of Bear Lakes. We don't see him as often now, but because of his success, but he's traveling more, and he's a little further north of uh, the club now, living in the place that a medalist. But, uh, no, his first choice was, you know, and affordability had a factor in that, too, at the time, but... He joined Bear Lakes, and uh, we've always attracted guys like that. And 
And, you know, it doesn't matter what level you play at. It is always a game. We have a lot of organization for games. But sure. uh, we have a young man by Dan McCarthy. Um, we, we were talking about Dan, and Dan was pursuing playing, playing the minor league golf tour for a couple of years. It had, you know, mild success. And uh, he, he recently had kind of a, a breakthrough. He, he got his Canadian tour status, finally got that first big break. And his first year on the Canadian tour, he won four times. And he had two second place finishes. He went from really not doing anything for almost three years, four years maybe, to coming out. Just something clicked. And um, he did the most fascinating thing. And th- this past year, we do a, a member pro scratch, uh, which is a member guest in December. No handicaps. You play the tees by your age. Your regos, uh, very generous. And they, they, they contribute to the purse and the Roonies contribute to the purse. And Dan McCarthy this year, bare legs from the gold tees, which is 7,400 yards. He birdied 11 of the last 12 holes on the Lakes golf course, which I don't care. You put Dustin Johnson on the white tees and he's not going to do that. That's a, yeah, I that's, mean, that's, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing anything close to that. I mean, he birdied 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and he parred 14. He birdied 15, 16, 17, and 18, and he looked out for Eagle twice on two of those birdies. Good God. I mean, he just caught fire, and he's on the web.com this year. And, I mean, that guy, when he gets it going, it, it's these kids nowadays, it's just amazing. And we have a lot of those guys, and they practice, and they compete with each other, and but they play with the members, you know, it's such a cool environment because, you know, we do combination blue and black and gold tee games and it's really exciting time to be at Bear Lakes, man. I'm, I'm thrilled. That's great. Well, I'll definitely put the uh, link to the Bear Lakes Country Club website in our show notes and uh, definitely get this episode over to the people at Bear Lakes so they can share it. And I'm sure a lot of the members and um People that bounce around at Bear Lakes know uh, a little bit of your history, but maybe they don't know it all. So this will be good for them to listen to. So before we let you uh, get out of here, we have a couple of quick questions here on the episode. Uh, it's called the quick bucket at the back of the range. So, gosh, I I'm, I shudder to think of what your answer is going to be with this one, but it is a Nicholas question. So uh, Jack Nicholas won the Masters in 1986 at the age of 46. So take that victory and compare it to a potential fifth green jacket for Tiger Woods at the Masters. What would be the more substantial victory? Wow. Tell you what, I I watch golf now because of Tiger, but that, that 86 Masters, I mean, that's, that was golf. That was the biggest moment, I think. Yep. Hard to argue that one. Uh, yeah. Let's see. You can give a major championship to anyone in history, uh, alive or dead. Uh, zero majors, eighteen majors. Give it to give it to whoever you want to. Who would you give a major championship to? <laughs> wow! And you can't give it to yourself. We've got to make. We've had to make some rules oh. with this question. Some people want to give it to themselves. Give it to me. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's. Uh, who, who do you give it? Who would you give it to? You know, I, I I don't know if I can answer that. I'd I'd have to really think about that one for a little while. I mean, I'd love to give it to a, a great ambassador and of the game and, and genuine person. And, and you know, I I don't think I could answer that to be to be honest. I mean, wow, 
Who would you give it to? Well, I yeah. I I would give uh, I would give a PGA to Arnie because that would okay. complete uh, that would complete the Grand Slam for Arnie. And I know okay. that Arnie really wanted that one because his father was a, you know, his father's history with the with the PGA of America. Um, so that's the first one that I thought of. Gosh, you know, also I, I also think about Mike Donald. Not that not and nothing against Hale Irwin, but that's three for Hale Irwin. And gosh, it seems like that would have made made everything for Mike Donald. So those are things that I come up with. Yeah, no, that two good choices. Well, Mike, really appreciate the time. Um, you know, super, uh, super appreciative of you sharing your stories of playing in in three U.S. Opens. That's an, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, hope you enjoy the the U.S. Open this year at Shinnecock. You got an early pick. Who do you, who do you like to win this year? I love to see Ricky. You know, yeah. I, I want Ricky to win a major and a big one. You know, and that would be special. I mean, great for golf. Well, there's your answer right there. That's who you want to give your major to. You want to give the U.S. Open to Ricky. So we got that one in. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us here at the back of the range, and hopefully we'll catch up, play a little golf pretty soon. And thank you so much for having me. And there you have it, another great episode here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Special thanks to Mike Weeks. Wow, great stories. Really enjoyed hearing all these stories about getting into three U.S. Opens. That is, uh, that's quite an achievement. So we'll be back next week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, the Back of the Range Podcast. Let me know what you think of this episode and shoot me an email if you have any other comments and questions. Ben at thebackoftherange.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.